Well, as I said, special day, something more special than, uh, I'm embarrassed to say this, who's playing? The Giants and the Patriots. Yep. When Dallas missed it, I don't know, I just kind of yep. lost heart. Who's going to win, do you know? I'm pretty sure the Giants. Pretty sure the Giants. <laughs> okay, you lost about half your crowd on that uh, one. So I just go for Seminoles. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I like That's Tebow. That's my alma mater. Oh. Yeah, I know, I, I love Tebow. You know, Tebow's such, got such a platform now. But I sure didn't like him when he was playing for the Gators, whooping us every year. <laughs> He's a Floridian. You just lost the other half of your no, crowd. No, I'm a Floridian, too. You got to love Tebow. I don't think there's somebody had a better platform than him in the whole, whole oh, country right oh, now. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. He's making a difference. I mean, we all need to Tebow. I wanted to introduce uh, my friend. Jay has been my friend. Uh, he, has, he and his wife have labored there in Haiti. And missions for us are not just something extra the church does. You know, when Jesus in Matthew 28 told, told the, the people of God to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person, he included not just our little town of Texarkana, but he included the whole world. But yet I can't go everywhere and be everywhere. But when I find people that are changing a nation, I want to link up with them. I support any missionary anywhere that does anything in the name of Christ. But there are some people that God graces to literally change a nation. And this guy is one. He's just a tough old street guy that got saved, filled with the Spirit, studied the Bible a little bit, and went off and gave his life to Haiti. But it's been 25 years. If you remember last year or two years ago, the earthquake came and devastated the, 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 uh, the whole nation. 300,000 people were killed up until just recently. Well, even now, there's rubble everywhere. You can't imagine what it's like living down there. But these guys hung in there. And uh, I want you to tell us a little bit about what God's done since the earthquake. Well, you know, the earthquake was just very traumatic and, a, and a, just a tremendous catastrophe. We ourselves lost our church building with, and Bible school was meeting and lost 32 people in that building. Uh, some of those were very, very dear and close to my wife and I, and that's a very difficult part of life. But we know we're there are and there with our Lord. And at the same time, we've been re not just recovering, but restoring and getting back and pulling back to where we were and then going forward, praise God. And a lot of it was just a lot of repairs. A lot of our campus was hit pretty well, but we were able to repair it. We still lost the church. We've We've got a, a site for the church on our campus where we've laid the slab. And uh, right now there's a 22,000-square-foot tent sitting on that slab. Um, but we're believing God for a new building. It's nice to have the tent. The tent was a blessing, but God didn't even like the tent in the Old Testament. And uh, tent, the tents are very delicate, the storms. Um, we're in Hurricane Alley. And I uh, grew up in Florida. I understand hurricanes. Uh, but... Uh, you don't like them. They don't, I mean, they, and so you've got to lay the tent down, and you've got to pull your lighting, pull your electric, pull your sound, pull it all down, lay it down, and then when the hurricane goes by, put it all back up, put all your lighting back up, put all your sound back up. It takes about four days with 20 guys working solid. That's to pull it down, put it back up. And so uh, we're believing God. And a very interesting thing happened, which I've already told you, but uh, our initial estimates from contractors, or not contractors, but vendors of steel buildings, was about $550,000, and so, you know, that's a, that's a leap of faith, and uh, we're believing God, believing God, believing God, and finally, my contractor, who's going to build the building for nothing, will fly his crew in, bring in equipment, donate the equipment to the ministry once it's done, and bring his crew in for free, praise God, and so he's a good friend now, he's my buddy, <laughs> but uh, he's always been a good friend, but he's a really good friend now, and... Uh, He's going to do it for nothing, but he ran into a vendor in Miami that he had not checked. He'd, we'd already taken bids from three or four factories, companies, whatever. And uh, the vendor was a Haitian-American, very 
top-notch business guy, but he said, you know, I grew up two blocks from where that campus is. He says, I know what's happened. I know what's happened to my nation. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll just sell you the building for what it costs me, and I won't make any money on it. Well, to give you an idea what kind of profit margin these guys got, it was bidded at 550000 was our best bid. This is just for the steel and the building itself. And uh, we can have it delivered to Haiti for $300,000. God saved us two hundred and change. $200,000 just for being patient, praise God. And so now we're, we've already put a down payment on the steel. We've, it's all been engineered. The engineering of the building's been finished. And that in itself is quite a bit of money, you know. And, and we've put the down payment, and we're striving for the second payment. It will be paid in three payments unless God just gives us all of it at one time. I don't know. There might be someone sitting. I don't know. You know, has all that they can write. But uh, <laughs> just thought I'd let them know if they're sitting here. Anyhow, but, uh, <laughs> um, but we'll make the second payment, and then the last payment, and it will be shipped. And then, of course, we'll, we're in. You know, uh, of course, after the after the earthquake, and I, I can't imagine this. I'm sitting in America, and we, our church, we helped a little bit. We partnered with some other churches in America. Well, I'm on the phone, and I'm calling people, and after about three days of that, I'm thinking, Lord have mercy, I need a vacation. Yeah. And, and, and I'm living here in America. I can run to a restaurant, or I can take a day off. He stayed in that for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, you know, just helping rebuild the nation, you know. Uh, and God has been faithful. It would have been easy to have quit. They have a, the largest Christian school there in Port-au-Prince. It was stopped, but today God birthed it back. Now it's, once again, over 300 people in a mm-hmm. Christian school. They've built a medical clinic on the facility to the Haitians, back up to 6,000 in weekend attendance in the main church and have about 30 outlying churches, have a Bible school, and how many know God gets all the praise? And, so, you know, I didn't yeah. even tell you we did planted a few more churches. That's why I was, when you first asked me how many churches you got, I'm kind of trying to calculate. Yeah. We planted two in the tent sit, two different ones in tent cities where, where there, there are going to be communities eventually. The tent cities will be. And so we've already planted two churches in the tent cities. So, you know, we are a global-minded church, and uh, not only giving money but sending people and sending missionaries from our church to the world. I'm out of your hair here because he's a great preacher, but speaking of hair, uh, they may think that you're just an old hippie here. Tell us what your ponytail means. Old hippie? No. <laughs> I, uh, um, when, the hurt, when the quake hit, it was on a Tuesday, and, of course, we're still dealing with life and death issues coming to the weekend. And uh, I did more funerals in about a week and a half than I've done in my whole ministerial career. And so uh, first Sunday coming, I decided, even though we have no building, where we have the buildable site for this building, I threw a platform on the ground and put some speakers in the air. I said, tell everybody we're going to praise God regardless. And so when we were there, and uh, it was very difficult first Sunday, God gave a great word, and uh, people were encouraged. But when I had an administrative, one of our administrative ladies walk in, and she had shaved her head, G.I. Jane shaved, out of mourning, out of grief. And I saw that, and I said, you know, i got to do something. And the Lord laid it on my heart to grow my hair in memory of those that were lost. And, of course, what's been in my heart was to eventually donate the hair to Locks of Love. You heard of Locks of Love? Uh, but I learned something after I made that commitment in my heart. And you can donate the hair in the name of someone or memory of somebody, and they send you a certificate and everything. It's a pretty neat little organization, but you have to have 10 inches minimum. Well, that's two years, and I don't think I've made 10 inches yet. So we're still working on it, but I am determined. And even though it's a little graying hair, because most of their hair pieces go to children, but they do make hair pieces for older people. And they said, don't worry about it. We'll just receive it, and they have another arm of their ministry organization that uh, makes hair pieces for older people and then their locks of love is primarily for children that are stricken with cancer so they make hair pieces for them 
And so that's where it's all going. One of these days I'll, I'll cut it, uh, but my wife kind of likes it. And then I was really struggling with this, you know, because I go to some conservative churches, and, and I'm not speaking of you, but actually I was going to a Presbyterian church that has been so generous in the feeding program, and you've got to wear robes. You've got to wear the robe when you preach there and everything. And I'm like going to Linda, you know, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And she's like tired of it and goes, honey, just do what's in your heart. Honey, she's, she loves me, you know. She's do what's in your heart. Finally, she looks at me and says, listen, you can cut it. You'll just be an old man. Or you can leave it long, and at least you'll be an old man with a story. <laughs> so I'm kind of bound, old man, old man with a story. Old man, I think I'll take the story, praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> People do look at you kind of funny now and then, you know, but I don't care. Praise God. I know who I am in Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, there you go. There's the story, Pastor. And uh, so anyhow, who's ready for the Word of God? How many know it's the Word of God that will change and transform your life? Amen. You're a pretty good-looking crowd this second, second service this morning. That first service was a good-looking crowd, too, boy. It must, they must do, you must have some good water here in Texarkana. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of John, chapter 11. It's the deer chili. I'm going to eat some of that deer chili. Now, who shot the deer? Didn't shoot the sheriff, just the deer, right? Hallelujah. We don't know who shot the deer. Does anybody know? It wasn't Bambi, was it? Okay. <laughs> it was the evil deer, Mufasa. <laughs> no, Mufasa wasn't good, was he? No, that was the bad tiger, wasn't it? I don't know. Let's go on. You're getting me sidetracked here. I got a word of God. Amen. Uh, each year, uh, this, this is a word that God had given to me, and we've developed it and are still in it in our church today on December 31st. And every year, I seek God for a word for the year to come and a theme that he will platform the year for us as a, as a congregation, as a ministry, and, and for myself personally, for our family. And then as I receive this word, I realize this is not just a, a collective word for our ministry, but it's a word for the collective body of Christ. And uh, God began to speak to me from the book of John, chapter 11, and uh, concerning the glory of the Lord... And he told me these words. He said, the year 2012 will be a year of my manifested glory. The year 2012 will be a year of the manifested glory of God. And so as he ministered to me, I shall minister to you. In John 11:32 through 40, it said that then when Mary came where Jesus was and, she, and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You remember this is the story about Lazarus. They had sent some messengers to Jesus in another city and said, could you come? Lazarus is sick. And Jesus sent back the word to Martha and Mary saying, this is not unto death, but unto the glory of, for the glory of the Lord. Then a few days, days later, Jesus got up. Lazarus had consequently died in the natural. And it said, when Mary saw him, she fell down at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 33. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. In verse 35, Jesus wept. And then G the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man have opened the eyes of the blind, also have kept this man from dying? And then in verse 38, that Jesus again groaning in himself came to the tomb. Stop for a second. As Jesus groans twice and wept, Jesus was not groaning and crying out of emotion for Lazarus. 
Jesus was groaning and crying because there was a lack of faith in his presence. And uh, he wept. And the weeping was not a sobbing cry of emotion, but an intercessory cry unto God. The groaning was the groans of travail that he felt down in his spirit because he had already sent his word. You see, God sends his word to establish something. He had already sent his word and said, this is not unto death but for the glory of God, but yet nobody believed. And see, what happens to all of us, I'm included, not preaching at anybody, is we get moved by our circumstances and circumstances begin to dictate to us. You see, we were not created to be dictated to. God created you and I to dictate our circumstances, to speak to our circumstances, to speak to the issues of life with the power and the glory of God that lies within, to move the mountain and change the circumstance. I remember a young minister asked me, he said, Pastor, how, how long do I need to speak to the mountain? And my response was to him, till it moves. You speak to that mountain till it moves. So many times we emotionally cry out to God to do something when God, in fact, is waiting for us to do something. You see, it doesn't say in the Scripture, God will speak to the mountain. It doesn't say, ask God to speak to the mountain. It doesn't even say, you know, you know, implore God to speak to the mountain. It says, you speak to the mountain. You speak to the mountain. Speak to the mountain. Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and believe in your heart of that which you say and it shall come to pass. That's J. Threadgill's version, anyhow. Praise God. And so here we were. They're being moved by the circumstances of their life. The Second Corinthians 4 and 18 tells us, don't look at the things that are seen. Do not let circumstances dictate to you. You have to go to that dimension of prayer and release the glory and power of God that is within. We're going to get to that. I'm, pre- I'm getting ahead of myself. But at the same time, release it and cause the circumstances to change in the favor and the will of God. Are you all listening to me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so anyhow, it says, don't be moved. He said, it says in that scripture, don't be moved by the things that are seen, but by the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary. I guarantee, I guarantee you every born again believer sitting in this room has got some kind of battle or trial in their life. We have an enemy. The Bible says that the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Rather, the fact how much you're tied into God, you have to realize there's an enemy that's tied into you that wants to destroy you. But Jesus said, I have come to give you a life and give it to you abundantly. God wants to release abundant life into your life, praise God. Are you all hearing me? And so anyhow, don't look at the things that are seen. That's temporary. It will pass. Say temporary. And so he says, but look at the things which are eternal. I mean, look at the things which are not seen because they are eternal. What are those things he's speaking of? It's about the promises of God. It's the word of the Lord hidden in your heart. You can't see it. You can't taste it. You can't feel it. But they're real. And those are the things that you put your faith in. And those are the things that are eternal. Can you say amen? Amen. So Jesus has groaned twice, wept once, and now he's at the cave. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And then Martha pipes up because Martha evidently had a a Ph.D. in in theology. I'm pretty sure she had her doctorate in theology and says, sir, we can't move the stone. He's been dead four days. He smells. If I was Jesus, I think I'd have groaned and wept again, but it doesn't say he did. (laughs) And so anyhow, Martha pipes up and Jesus said to her in verse 40, this is very important, this is where God spoke to me so clearly. He said, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of the Lord? 
Now, I'm telling you, I need a building. I need some things to happen that has taken every ounce of prayer effort I got to believe God. Maybe some of you guys can believe in a half a million dollar. If you can, come up here after service. Join hands with me and believe with me. Praise God. But it's not no small thing. And I can guarantee, you know, some of them big ministries talk about buying citation jets and everything. I'm so glad they're blessed. But it, I mean, I'm at my capacity and my level and I'm believing God for a half a million dollars. I can guarantee at our prayer meetings, there's not a day that goes by that I'm decreeing the building is built. The building is built. The building is built. The building is built. And God knows my spirit, but he spoke to me on that December 31st. And he said, son, if you will believe, you will see the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. And and I'm not just talking about physical things. We need the glory of the Lord to be made manifest in our communities. I believe in the year 2012, there will be such a demonstration of God's glory that it will even cause Fox News and CNN and local newscasters to come and take a look to find out what they're hearing because God is going to pour out His Spirit in these last days. The prophet Joel said that in the last days, say last days, Where days do you think we're living in right now? But the last days. He said, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will dream dreams and old men will see visions. I'm just dreaming visions, praise God. I'm right in the middle. Hallelujah. He says in the book of Haggai that the latter house will be greater, the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house, the early house. In other words, all of the miracles that you've read in the Bible of old that took place in the last moments of time, the glory and the power of God that will be demonstrated will eclipse everything that is written in this Bible in such a dimension. It will catch the breath of the world. They're going to love us and they're going to be some that hate us. But yet they're going to know God's in the house. Hallelujah. Praise God. He said, if you believe, say, I believe. See, you have to believe. For the glory of the Lord to be made manifest, it takes a dimension of faith. Not just book faith. We're talking about heartfelt faith. The Bible says in Romans 10 and 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Or in my understanding, what that means is faith comes by hearing and receiving down in your spirit the word of God. Some of us hear it, but it doesn't drop down into the spirit. We've got to move it from head to heart, praise God. It's the power of the heart that moves mountains, not just your head. And how does that happen? By meditating in it day and night. Book of Joshua, God told Joshua in chapter 1, meditate in my word day and night, day and night, day and night, not just Sunday morning. You see, God not looking for a Sunday morning visit. He's looking for a marriage. I'll say it again. God's not looking for a Sunday morning visit. He's looking for a marriage. He's looking for a relationship 24-7. I know I can speak for my wife and myself. We've come to a place where we need God to stay so close, we'll be talking to God all the time. I don't just need a time of prayer. I need a time. I'm just talking to God. I mean, I do take a time in prayer where I separate myself and be quiet with God and talk to God. But I'm talking to God in the shower. I'm talking to God when I'm trying to get my shoes on. I'm talking to God riding down the road. I'm talking to God just all the time. And you know what's cool is many times you'll be talking to God and God will be talking back. And that's when you know you're connecting. God be talking to me. He says, how you know it's God? I just know that it is when it is. I remember one young man came up to me. No, I'm not going to tell that story. God just stopped me. I'm not going to tell it. It's not my fault. It's God. If you want to blame someone, blame God. Hallelujah. God does that sometimes. He says, Shh, be quiet. 
All right. See, I just heard him. How's that? All right. So anyhow, God wants us to believe in the glory. If you believe, say, I believe. All right, and so what we need to understand is where is the glory? If, if God's glory is going to come and manifest, you see, the glory of the Lord is simply the manifested presence of God. That's the glory of the Lord. Now, we know the glory is on high at His throne. That's when we, we sang the song where the Shekinah glory comes down. But there's another place where the glory resides. The glory resides within you. Colossians 1, 27 Paul, the Apostle Paul, reveals a great mystery that was hidden for ages. But yet he got the revelation and wrote it in the scripture of Colossians. He said, this is the mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. You see, the day you were born again, Christ came to abide within your heart. Christ lives and dwells within you. The same Christ that spoke, let there be light, and the sun existed, lives and dwells in you. The creator of the universe lives inside of you. He's not some somebody way far away. He's right there. The Bible says he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never abandon you. He'll never be far from you. He is there. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Now, whose hope? Number one, we have a hope, but that's, I even believe that's God's hope. God is hoping you got the revelation that you're a vessel of glory. Not as it, it only is the glory on high, but it's here within. And what happens with, is the scripture talks about in Matthew 18, 19, where two or three come in agreement. You see, you really don't need me to be in agreement with you. You can be in agreement with God. And when you're in agreement with God, that's two in agreement, and then the glory from on high comes and meets the glory within, and the demonstrated, manifested presence of God moves on your behalf. The miracle power of God is released. Now, you have to stand in there sometimes. You have to believe. You've got to be patient. I hate that word. I'm probably one of the worst. That's why God sent me to Haiti, just get some patience in me. Praise God. Linda already had patience. She didn't have to go there. She's been married to me 35 years. That already tells us she's a patient woman. Praise God. But the glory lives within. Now, the Bible also says in Colossians 2 and 9 that in him is the fullness of God. In other words, in Christ is all of God. Then, therefore, Christ is in us. We have all of God in us. Now, you need to get it from here to there. You got to get it from here. I, you can theologically say, yes, I know that. I understand that. But yet you may not have access to the power of God yet. Because a mental assent will not release it. It's a heartfelt, passionate assent to it. It will release it in your life. Why are so many Christians, that, and, and again, I'm, I'm in it. I'm not pointing fingers at nobody, tend to struggle in the midst of their battles. Because we have not accessed and released the glory that lives and dwells within us. You are a vessel of glory. Say glory. You are a vessel of God's glory. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that you are a citizen of heaven, a member of his house, a child of God. That's huge. Because in, in natural life, whatever Linda and I possess as a family, it's for our children. All that we own is for them. In the same sense, all that God owns is for us. Are y'all hearing? And so you got to walk in it. you got to access it. And so as I was praying and seeking God on this word, if you believe, you will see the glory. As I was praying, I said, God, then tell me, make it clear to me, how do we access that glory and release it in our life? That's a good question. 
And he said, okay, son, and, and we've been developed. I've been in this thing for five weeks straight now. We may go on this for a few months. I don't know until I play out on it, I'll tell you that. Because I'm not only trying to build our congregation's faith, I'm building mine. I'm saying, God said, if I believe, I will see the glory. That is my story, and I'm sticking with it till Jesus comes. You see, I'm in the last 25% of my life. There's only one thing I desire to see now, and that's a move of God. I don't need a car. I don't need another house. I don't need a bunch of money unless it's just to give to the ministry. I don't need anything. I just got but one thing hidden in my heart. I want a move of God in our communities that is so dynamic that it turns the heads of the world. And it's there. It's going to happen in these last days. Well, God answered me, and he talked to me from the book of John, chapter 15, 4, 5, and 7. And there it says to me, it says, abide in me and I in you. Well, really what that really means is live in me. Live in me and I in you. For as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides or lives in me and I in him will bear much fruit. But without me, you can do nothing. You see, apart from God, we can do nothing. True success comes from living in Him. We're talking living in Him. We're not talking about a visitation. He's looking for a people that don't come to church on a Sunday just to scratch a religious itch. He's looking for a people that will come and live in Him 24-7. Walk with Him and talk with Him in the cool of the day. The same reason He created Adam and Eve. He has created us. That's the purpose of God. We're not here for God to serve us. We're here to serve God. And in that, He serves us. We're not, God not just sitting on the throne figuring out how He can bless us. He has a will and a purpose. And as we follow Him, He blesses us. Are you all with me on this? Preaching better than some of you shouting me down. He says, without me, you can do nothing. Look at verse 7. He says, if you live in me, let me give that example. In our church, we have a, a bouquet delivered every, for every Sunday morning. Beautiful bouquet, real big. And we just do it because we're in a tent and we want something to be nice. <laughs> and uh, one, when I was preaching this, it was a bouquet of roses, big bouquet of roses. And I use that as the illustration, the bouquet being Jesus and the roses being us. And as long as we're plugged into that bouquet, we're alive. I took the rose out and I said, you know, when, when we separate ourselves from living in him, we still look like a rose, still smell like a rose, still act like a Christian, still look like a Christian, but we're dying. And unless you're connected into that bouquet, you're not drawing the nutrient necessary to live alive. Say the word, word live. You're getting there live. That comes from the word zoe, the total, abundant, successful, per, uh, provided for, healthy life of God. It's the life of God. And so he says, you've got to live in me. Watch what he says. He said, if you live in me and my words live in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now that's a carte blanche check if you live in him. Have you ever sat there and wondered, and I know we all have, why isn't God answering my prayer? Many times, most of the time, it's because we're not living in Him. We're just asking stuff. 
He didn't say, ask what you want to anytime you want to and I'll give it to you. He said, live in me and then ask what you desire. And see, when you live in him, sometimes we ask amiss and God is not going to give it to us. Book of James says you ask amiss and you, because you'll spend whatever you get on your own pleasure. Gee, that sounds like an American prayer, doesn't it? People prayer. I'm sorry. Oh, I get your best advocate is right up here, my wife. So anyhow, you've got to live in him. When you live in him, you won't ask amiss. You'll ask exactly what he desires because you're alive in him. And whatever you ask, he'll give to you. Pretty cool, huh? And so many times when, you're, when I'm not seeing my prayer answered, I'm asking myself that question, am I living in him? Am I staying close? Am I walking with him? Am I listening to him? Am I living with him? That's the place you find answered prayer. Are you all still with me? Amen. And so number one, you've got to live in Christ to access the glory. Number two, you've got to be desperate. Say desperate. You see, you've got to be desperate for one reason. It's not because God is trying to just make us toil to labor to get to him. We are moving from a natural state into a supernatural state. We are trying to move from our natural being into a position and a dimension only God lives. And you've got to be desperate enough to press on into that dimension to access it. Are you all following me? And so you've got to be desperate for God. And I'm reminded of that scripture in the book of Luke chapter 8, 43 through 48, about the woman with the issue of blood. You remember the story? Here was a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. Long time. And she had spent all her finances going to the doctor. Now, I, lo I love doctors. We believe in doctors. God uses doctors. But yet doctors are limited to their knowledge to this earth. And yet God is unlimited in his knowledge. Dr. Jesus is the unlimited doctor. And that's a really cool place to go. But she had done what was right and proper, and she had gone and done everything she knew to do and, and spent every bit of her livelihood trying to get healed. And yet to no avail. She was desperate. She was desperate. She, I mean, you can't bleed for 12 years and bleed much longer and live. I'm sure you become very anemic, and then eventually there's a loss of blood, and I'm no doctor, but you're going to die because you're not replacing the blood. And so she's desperate. And even in the book of Matthew, the same story, it says, she said to herself, if I just touch him, I will be healed. And so here's this crowd all around Jesus, and the woman presses in and pushes in because she's desperate. Say desperate. You see, if you need the glory, you've got to be desperate. You can't be casual, God. God is not a casual God. I'm going to hurt someone's feelings right now, but I can assure you when you get to heaven, Jesus is not giving you a high five. When you get to heaven, every instance I saw where humanity met the Lord, they fell down on their face as if they were dead, praying God everything would turn out okay. Because the glory and the power and the demonstration of his power is so powerful, full. You just bow down. And, and then he always reaches over, though, and says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I, need to, I want to hear the don't be afraid part. Praise God. God is not a casual God, but yet you've got to be desperate to reach him for the manifested miracle. That's why some get it and some don't. They're not desperate enough to press in. This woman was desperate. Say desperate. And so she pressed into the full and she touched him. And then Jesus stopped and looked at the disciples and said, Who touched me? And Peter's like, Master, 
What are you talking about? Who touched you? And we see this in Haiti with great crowds that come to our events and they'll be everywhere and it's just packed out. And I mean, people be sitting everywhere all around the platform and kids will be playing over on the edges of the platform and I don't even care because let the kids play, God's moving. And then people everywhere. Yeah, at our early prayer meeting, one of the most powerful prayer meetings in our hemisphere, 1,500 to 2,000 people come and pray every day. Every day. Every day. And then at the same time, if I call a day of fasting and prayer, they'll come at 6 a.m. and they won't go home until I say we're finished and sometimes 4, 5, 6 o'clock at night. And we all smell like P.E. because there's no air conditioning and there's no soft, cushy chair. And we're just there to pray and believe God and it's packed. It's packed. There'll be six, 7,000 people trying to get in a 3,000-seat tent. And it's packed. They bring their own chairs, sit on the ground, sit, any, sit on a block, they don't care. They just want to be close to God. And there he is in the, in the midst of this kind of crowd. And Jesus stops and says, who touched me? Peter looked at him and said, what are you talking about? Everybody's touching you. But yet he stopped and said, no, there was just one touch. There was just one kind of touch that I felt. You see, you can touch the Lord today. No matter what is circumstance you're in right now, God is here and you can touch Him. He's not far, far away. He's right there inside of you. And He's looking for that one touch. Say one touch. One touch is the touch of faith. He's looking for that kind of touch. How desperate are you for the glory? How desperate? And he stopped and he said, who touched me? And finally the Bible says the woman came trembling and bowed down and said, it was me, Master. She was afraid that she had done something wrong. But no, Jesus looked at her and said, My daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. If you believe, you will see the glory of the Lord. Somebody say, I believe. But you've got to be desperate. Now, i got a little story on that that I heard from Lester Summerall many years ago. Anybody remember Lester Summerall? For you young people, he is one of the greatest generals in the body of Christ of all times. Laid his hands on my wife and I in one meeting, set of meetings. Prayed over our ministry. I mean, he dates back with all the big shots. I mean, Oral Roberts and all of them. And back in the day, the voice of healing. And he was a great missionary that went all the way around the world. And when I was a young minister, and I am still crazy for Jesus. People look at me and just say, you're crazy. I bet they say that about you sometimes. Don't they? I'll go ahead and tell you, you're crazy. But you know what I say? But I'm crazy for Jesus. I'm crazy for him. I'm a nutcase. I'm crazy. But I was really crazy in my 20s. And, I, and, I, and the story was so apropos for me. But he told this story, and he said it was about a young man that was seeking the presence and the glory of the Lord in his life. And he would go from man of God to man of God, from conference to conference from place to place, asking, how do you access, how do you tap into the glory? And finally, a minister said, well, there's a prophet that lives on the top of the mountains. He got a little cabin there in a lake. If you get there, go find him. He's in that cabin. He lives in that cabin. And so this was back in the 1900s. The story was around. And so he had to climb the mountain. And there was paths, but, I mean, there was no road, and he didn't access it in a vehicle. He had to spend the day climbing three, four, five thousand 5,000 feet up in the, uh, over sea level, climbing the mountain. Gets there spent after a 12-hour day of just climbing and walking. Sees the little cabin by the lake. He runs over to the cabin, beating on the door. Anybody home? Anybody home? And he's got no answer. Now he's depressed. He spent all day climbing, tired, 
whipped, looking for this prophet that he was told about that could show him how to access and tap into the glory. So he's kind of disgusted and, and, and spent, and all of a sudden he hears a voice way off in the background calling, Hello. He turns around and looks in the lake, and the prophet's about chest high in the water. And he's thinking to himself, you know, at 5,000 feet in the altitude, that water not warm. That's cold water. And he says, I've been told that you can share with me how to find the glory. And the prophet nodded his head and smiled and waved him out. He said, wait a minute, I've got my Kohan shoes on, and these are pretty expensive pants, and got my jacket, and pretty nice sporty shirt. I can't get out in the water. No, come, I, I just need you to share with me about the glory. The prophet smiled, waved him out. He said, well, come this far. Kicked off his shoes, rolled up his pant legs. I can't figure out why because he's going to get up to here. It just seems like the right thing to do, I guess. Starts wading out, freezing, shivering in that water. And he finally gets to the prophet up here. He said, hi, I've come because so-and-so told me you could share with me how to find the glory. The prophet smiled and nodded his head. And he said, well, show me. And he grabbed him by the head and he put him under. And he held him. And he continued to hold him. And a minute and a half has gone by now. And he's gasping for air. He's fighting. He's trying to knock his hands off of him. He thinks he's going to die. Is this man gone crazy? Is he going to kill me? Am I going to die of drowning here? And he's sitting there. And, and, and now we're up to a minute and three quarters. And, and, and he's like, this is it. I'm not going to be able to live. And about that moment, the prophet pulled him out. And he comes out. <laughs> and then he looked and go, what are you doing? The prophet said, when you want the glory... As bad as you wanted that breath, you'll find it. You have to be desperate for the glory. How desperate for the glory are you? Or are you just a casual Christian Cocoa Bay that hangs around church once in a while? How desperate are you to find God? Or are you, you see, we got it. We've created a culture. I call it the Domino's Pizza culture. You arrive, you order, and you go. That's not God. God is not, I arrive, I come into your throne, name of Jesus, I need, I need, I need, and then you go and it's all done. That's not God. Wherever you got that from, if you've been mistaken, God is looking for a people that will passionately desperate for His presence, that will enter into His presence with everything they got. When God wakes you up at 2 o'clock, do you go get a soda and go back to bed, or do you get in your chair and start talking to God? God never wakes me up at 2 o'clock. Well, he already has the answer then, doesn't he? He'll only wake up the ones he can trust that will get up and pray. I just shared with Pastor recently, several nights I've been praying, God, wake me up at 2 o'clock and I'll start pacing the floor. Fall asleep at my desk in my chair at 10 a.m. Because I've been up all night praying. Not every night. Not even often. Occasionally. I'm desperate he knows I want my family healed he knows I want my ministry set right he knows that I need him and I, he knows that I know that I can't do it without him he knows that I'm passionate about it and I'm desperate for him you say well that's your you're a preacher we all preachers of righteousness every person in this room is called of God say called every person here is called of God to do something for God but to get something done you got to be desperate for God say desperate Praise God. So you got to first know that Christ lives in you. Number two, you got to live in him. Number three, you got to be desperate. I'm going to finish. I could go for another three, four more weeks on this little scrolling pad of mine. 
The next thing is you access the glory, not only from living in, not only being desperate for, but through prayer and praise. Very simple, prayer and praise. Prayer and praise brings power. Prayer and praise releases power. And I take this uh, example from the book of Acts, chapter 16. Here in the book of Acts, Paul, I'm finishing if you if all are bored. And if you're not, I'll just preach till the, the, ba- the Baptists get out of uh, restaurants. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas are in the perfect will of God. They're going to plant a church. Yahoo. I mean, when we plant a church, I'm excited. Matter of fact, we're coming up into Mardi Gras crusade time, and I'm excited. But I also told all our intercessors, be covering us because all hell getting ready to break loose. Every time we make a move spiritually, we're excited, but I've grown through enough of these battles to know all hell getting ready to break loose somewhere. But I'm also grown enough to know, mature enough to know, we got the victory. No matter what hell he releases, we got the victory. And so they're going and all of a sudden there's this girl of divination, uh, consumed with a spirit of divination, following them around, prophesying over them. And the unique thing about it is what she was saying about the men of God was true. But yet they discern this woman got a demon. We got to get this woman set free. And so they turn around and get the lady set free. She had demons, got set free. You want to get a good lesson of demonology, come to Haiti. They'll just start screaming and hollering right in the middle of your preaching. My deacons are so trained, I don't even miss a lick. They just go and cast the devil out while I'm preaching. (laughs) Got some good deacons. And if the deacons are struggling, I got some assistant pastors that are really go over there and take care of the thing. Amen? And so anyhow, they get her set free, but that gets all her masters mad. Because they were making money off of her through the spirit of divination. So they haul Paul and Silas downtown in front of the magistrates. And they go ahead and govern against them for doing something they weren't supposed to do. They stripped them naked. Now that's not fun. I wouldn't be very happy naked in front of everybody. I mean, I I don't have a six pack. I got a pony keg. (laughs) Anyhow. Y'all got that, didn't you? (laughs) They're naked. Strip them naked. They beat them with rods. Not just like one, two, three. They beat them bloody with rods. Naked. Then they take them to prison. They're doing the perfect will of God. Now half the Christians in the world going, God, I was just doing what you told me. Or, God, where are you? I thought I was doing what you told me. Hey, stuff happens. Christianity does not exclude you from stuff. There's an enemy out there. You were created in his image. He hates you. With a passion, he hates you. So anyhow, they're beaten, naked, bloody, in pain, I'm sure. And they take them to prison, but they just don't put them in prison. They put them inside, inside the inner prison. All in the dark. No lights, you know, no window. And they put them in the chains. Naked, bleeding, Bloody, hurt. Now, just a chapter before, they had to get John Mark out of the way. John Mark was a baby Christian, and Barnabas took him. Remember that story? Well, John Mark, if he'd have been there, he'd have been there. Now, listen here, Apostle Paul. I thought you heard from God. Now look where we are. He'd have been complaining. Didn't you pray before we came to this town? Didn't God tell you this was going to happen? 
Not all the time does God tell you this stuff. Nobody was complaining in that prison. No. They began to worship. They began to lift their voices. In the midst of their trial. In the midst of their difficulty. In the midst of their circumstance. They began to lift their voices to God. They began to exalt Him. They began to pray. They began to decree and declare the will of God. They began to release the oracles of God. They began to reestablish the atmosphere of the prison. And not only in silent thought. No. There's a nice time to separate and talk to God in a quiet way. Then there's times to do battle. Then there's times, and I'm sure it's a lot like the Haitians when they pray. I've been in those prayer services where I was sitting on the platform one time, and they were praying so violently that, the, that God spoke to my heart and says, sounds like a rushing wide, mighty wind, doesn't it? Because there's so many people praying. There was a roar covering the house. And God said, sounds like a wind, doesn't it? And I knew exactly at that moment what he was speaking about in, in the upper room. You had 120 people in a room praying with everything down in them that they could pray with. Passionately seeking God with all their being, praise God. And these two men were in that inner prison, beaten, bloody, naked, in chains. And they began to lift their voices to God. God, we decree and declare the will of God be done in Jesus' name. We we bind every demon and devil of hell that has been assigned against us. We decree and declare victory. Some of you ought to be now. Some of you, some of you ladies got a got old lazy husband. You need to go start speaking that over his life. Praise God. Some of you husbands got some old lazy woman. Maybe you ought to speak that over their lives sometimes. Maybe you ought to be praying over your children a little bit. Walk in the hallways and prophesying. My children will serve the Lord God all the days of their life. They will arise and, and they will not fall. They will not go back in Jesus' name. I decree and declare my marriage will be saved. My marriage will be healed in Jesus' name. I decree and declare finances come forth out of the north, out of the south, out of the east, out of the west. I declare it. And there's a little shimmy shoe, 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 shimmy shoe. Your tears might compassionately touch God, but your tears will not move God. It's faith that moves God. Faith. Well, there they were praying and singing, I exalt thee. You know, sometimes you just got to go find your chair. Who's got a chair? I got a chair. Put your little iPad, iPhone, I do whatever, whatever I you got. Put some worship music on, praise God. I exalt thee. I exalt. I can't even sing, but I'll sing to him. Exalt thee. Oh, my God. Oh, I exalt you, Lord. I remember one time I was in a hotel room, much like I am here visiting you. I was by myself, and I was praying for a service. And I was pacing, and I was praying, pacing and praying, pacing and praying, believing God for signs and wonders, believing God for some miracles. You know, I paced and prayed for you today. And I was pacing and praying. I guess I got a little loud, and there was a knock at my door. And I opened the door, and the manager said, got a little complaint next door. Could you hold it down? I wasn't trying to be obstinate. I just lost myself in the Lord. Those guys didn't care who heard them. The Bible said the whole prison could hear them. Praying and praising. Praying and praising. And suddenly. Say suddenly. You see, when God moves, it's always a suddenly. 
Suddenly, the prison began to shake. The doors began to open. The chains began to uh, uh, break. And they were set free. But not only were they set free, it says all the prisoners were set free. You see, when you begin to worship praise and prayer and access the glory, not only will you be delivered, but those that are around you be delivered. The community will be delivered. The city of Texarkana will be delivered. The house of God will be delivered. God is looking for someone to believe. Someone shout, I believe! This is my story, and I'm sticking with it. This is what he told me. And I go, I could go three more services on the notes. I mean, we've been in this all month in our church. I'm not walking away from it. I'm hanging on to this one like I've never hung on to a word of God that I've ever received. If you believe, you will see the glory. If you believe. For thou, O Lord. Help me out, brother. Art high. Above all the earth, earth. Sing it out. Exalted far above all God. Can you throw that on the screen? I don't remember it. <laughs> For thou, O Lord, art high. Above all the earth, thou art exalted far above all God. Let me hear you sing it to him and enter in and release the glory. Thy exalted, yeah, I feel it. <laughs> And I exalt thee, and I exalt thee. Oh, 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 Some of you need to grasp it. Some of you need to reach out and get it. It's here. The presence and the glory of the Lord is in the house. Father, I decree and declare deliverance in this house today. I release the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. We release the deliverance of glory in the house. Lord, for those that are in situations of life and death, we declare life. We declare life. We declare life in their life. In Jesus' name, oh God in heaven, I pray that you begin to touch and transform every single person in this house in such a dimension that they will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, for healing, for those that may be sick or tormented with infirmity, I release the healing power of God in Jesus' name. For those that have been uh, set apart from their work, that have no work, I release, God, an open door, an open door, an open door of employment for them, Lord. Lord, demonstrate your glory in their lives. Demonstrate your presence. Release your deliverance. 
in Jesus' name. And if you believe that, shout out with everything. I believe. I believe. Praise the Lord. Come on, give the Lord a big hand. That was good. That was good this morning. I've been listening to preachers for over 30 years, and that was not just a motivational speaker. That was a man of God. Come on, talking about how to live life when you face difficulty and when you face obstacles. You, you, don't, you don't just learn faith from a book. How many know that? You and, I, you and I today were able to learn faith from a man who's walked in places I've not been. Come on, listen, I hadn't had my church building fall down and have to pull you out of it. He did. I, I, I've not had times when Linda, Linda lost her teenage son when they were there not very, not very many years, died in his sleep in the middle of the night, husband's out of the country in a government coup and nobody can get in and nothing to do but kept going. See, kept going. That's what faith does. Faith receives, but faith endures. Faith helps us keep going. I've had some financial tough times, but I've never had a time to, like he did where in Haiti they make you pay your employees an extra uh, pay, uh, paycheck once a, once a year. They make you do it, force you to do it. as a, They call it a bonus. He didn't have any money. He had to max out his personal credit cards to the max just to keep going. I've never done that. And I'm not trying to make you feel sorry for him. I'm just trying to tell you there's just times in life sometimes where you feel like you can't go farther, but faith keeps you going. Sometimes sometimes praise is because of the happy things and things are going well. Sometimes praise is in spite of everything, I'm still going to praise you. And I, I, I know you just you heard something in your head today, but I know you heard something in your heart today too. And I thank God for, for them coming. We just honor you for, for being here and being our friends these many, many years. Here's how we'll close. And I, I appreciate you staying a little longer. Next week we'll shoot towards 12 again. But here's how we'll close. Uh, hopefully you'll join us. We'll have some chili, both kinds, the, uh, the uh, you know, beef chili or venison chili. Hang out with us a little bit. It's, it's, uh, it's just by donation. It's for the, for the missions minded for Haiti. Uh, I'll have a little guest reception if you're new right after the service. I'll meet you in the, I'd love to talk to you face to face. But I'm also going to give Brother Jay an opportunity that if you're here today and you have a crisis in your life for him to pray with you. And look, I know there's a hundred people here that would like prayer. But we don't have time for a hundred. But here's what I mean by crisis. The doctors told you you have, a, you have cancer. The doctors told you you're going to die unless God does something. How many know you need a miracle? I'm talking about a crisis in your family, so if God doesn't do something, divorce is going to happen. I'm talking about a child that's on the way to jail. I'm talking about some, I'm talking about a crisis in life where you need the intervention of God. We'll believe with you. We'll have some prayer partners up here, and we'll pray with you that God will help you. Amen? I want to give you an opportunity before we go. You that would like to give a special offering to Haiti, uh, we'll give you that opportunity. If you don't want to or don't have the money, don't worry about it. But if you feel that you'd like to sow something into the ministry there, uh, we'll give you a chance to do that. He shared with me in the recession in America, it's affected their operations. Most of their money comes from America. They've been down a third just in their operations because of the American recession. We're just going to give as much as we can undesignated today. If you want to give something towards the building, praise God. If you have ability, pray about that. You might be able to do something special in the days ahead. We'll make sure it all goes there. If you want to do anything personal for them, just write Threadgill on it. But we're doing our best today to give an undesignated offering to help them be able to make the, make the expenses. And I'll have my Bible up front. Ushers will be at the back door if you want to, but please don't 
don't feel pressured to do that. If you need a debit machine, we've got some of those around the church to help you out too. This is a great day, wasn't it? It's a great day. Come on, give the Lord one more good hand. Lord, we just bless you today. You're an awesome God. You're an awesome God. Just begin to sing it one more time, and the people will be dismissed. And if you need prayer, there's a crisis in your life. You come, let us pray for you this morning. God bless you, and we love you very much. Thanks for coming, and hopefully that marriage seminar. They got some tickets at the back door. You get one and invite somebody. It starts this Friday.